Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season 3, episode 12, Epitaph for a Lonely Soul. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Carl Binder, directed by Alan Croker, original air date January 22nd, 1990. So we're back with Season 3, Episode 12, Epitaph for a Lonely Soul. The cursed antique from Friday the 13th wiki is a mortician's aspirator that drains the life from one person and then transfers it to a dead body, bringing it back to life. So for some reason, I thought this was going to be a really big episode. And I thought that because when I used to look up all the cast members to see what other episodes they appeared in, Mm-hmm. I didn't look them all up this time, so I can't tell you which ones. But I remember seeing the name of this episode a lot. So I thought this was going to be some big, I don't know what I thought, but it wasn't. But the guy who plays Steve is the same guy who played Lloyd, Mickey's fiance. Oh, that's right. I know he looked familiar. And I'm going, Steve. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I know the series uses the same actors over and over in different parts, but I just thought it was odd that they'd use him again, not as Lloyd, you know, since he was in more than one episode as Lloyd. Right, yeah. And Lloyd had been mentioned so many times during the first two seasons. He had more of a significant part than most of the guest stars have. Right, yeah. So I kind of thought that was weird. Although, I do have to say, he looks very different from the Lloyd character. Mm-hmm. He's not so much a stuck-up tight-ass in this episode. Right, and he was in regular clothes, and most of the time he was in suits. Right, he was an uppity, only-care-about-yourself kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So, as we said offline, this episode was really creepy and not in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) So, Eli is a mortician who's taking care of Lisa's funeral. Eli is creepy from the start. Yes. Then we see he keeps a scrapbook of all his dead clients. So, Lisa's young, beautiful, and died of some sort of heart defect. Steve, her fiancé, is broken up, as one would expect. But there's a point where Steve kind of looks at Eli funny when Eli touches Lisa's face when they're having a conversation over her coffin. Right. So I was already creeped out by this guy. So Steve says he came to bring music for Lisa's funeral, but he says it's in the car and he'll bring it in before he leaves. But if he came there to bring music, why didn't he just bring the music inside? Right. Yeah, we showed him going back to the car to get it. No, but they did show him, you know, coming back to find Eli to give him the music. If he came in with the music, he would have just handed it to Eli and there wouldn't be any reason for him to come back in and see the other body come back to life. Right, but he was distraught. Right, but sometimes it just annoys me the way they do little things that don't make sense in order to push the story ahead. Right. You know? So in the meantime, a body of a man who died in an accident is delivered. Eli notices an antique aspirator in the ambulance. The story was that another mortician, who actually I figured out at the end, it didn't occur to me, was the mortician that we saw a picture of at the beginning of the show. Oh, okay. So he owned this place. So I don't know why the ambulance driver had it, but... Right. But anyway, the story was that the other mortician was using it to embalm his wife when he died of a heart attack. But the rumor was that he was embalming her while she was still alive and killed her. So Eli asked to keep it and the driver lets him have it. So anyway, Eli decided to try the aspirator on the dead guy. And the dead guy comes to life right when Steve, who was looking for Eli to give him the music, enters the room. He runs away. Eli somehow figures out that the original owner killed his wife with it and in turn brought this guy back to life. So if he kills again, it'll bring someone else back to life. And I don't know how he figured all that out so quickly. I mean, I think if I was using it and somebody came back to life, I would just think the thing brought people back to life. 
I wouldn't assume that I would have to kill somebody first. I mean, I would probably figure that out later when it didn't bring somebody back to life, maybe. But technically, he didn't have to kill anybody. Well, he didn't because there was already a kill on it. Mm, who did he kill? Nah. Not that if he stuck it into somebody that's already dead, that they come back to life, and somebody they stick it in who's dead comes back to life. That was my impression. Right. He did, I don't remember him going out killing anybody. He didn't. There was already a kill on it because the other mortician used it to kill his wife. But that was the wife that was in on the gurney? The ambulance driver told him earlier that the original mortician was caught embalming his wife with this thing, except that he wasn't embalming her. He killed her with it. But then he died of a heart attack before he can bring somebody else back to life. So there was a kill on it already. Oh. So. Oh. That was a wife we never saw. So there was already a kill on it, and nobody was brought back to life with that kill on it. But I don't know how he figured all that out. I mean, if I used it and somebody came back to life, I wouldn't say, oh, it came, somebody came back to life because there was already a kill on here. Right. You, you would think it just brought people back to life. I mean, obviously, when you go to bring the next person back to life and it doesn't work, you kind of figure out that's not how it works. Right. But anyway, as soon as he knew how to use it, we knew where this was going. Like, who he was going to bring back to life. Right. So, um, Jack and Mickey are having a party at the store, and Johnny's away. So, I'm starting to wonder, maybe it's budgeting that keeps somebody out of an episode. It could be, or maybe the person has something to do. That's true. The only reason I never thought it was because of their budget or to save money, because usually when you're a regular, and I don't know, maybe back in the day it wasn't like that, but usually when you're a regular, you get paid for all episodes, whether you're in or or not. Right. But maybe that wasn't like that. Maybe that to save money, they would keep one or more of them out at a, at a time or something. I don't know. And then again, he could have said, my career is not based on that. Let me go do something else. True. True. So the party's for the Antique Dealers Association, and Jack is not thrilled. So I also thought that was weird, because they're having a party, and Mickey doesn't know what the party's for. <laughs> yeah, that I found very strange. <laughs> They could have come up with a better, another way to tell us it was the Antique Dealers Association. <laughs> yeah, but why would you still have it there? Why would you have a whole bunch of people that you don't know in this place with these antiques and they're just muddling around? Right, and don't we always say that? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I can't understand. I know, and I don't know how many times we've said that. Why are there kids in the store? Why do you leave people alone in the store? Why do you have all these people just wandering around in the store? You know... When they had the Halloween party, people went downstairs to the vault. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Tending the party is a man that Jack can't stand. Jack says he was elected police commissioner. He's a jerk, and he reminds me of someone, but I can't place him. But because he likes to make fun of Jack's interest in the occult, he tells him about a man who came to the police station the night before claiming to have seen a corpse come to life. Jack asks him if they're going to look into it, and he just laughs. So Jack decides that since the police won't look into the story, Jack and Mickey will. So Jack and Mickey go to see Steve to find out what he saw. I don't know how they knew who he was, but they were there. And he tells them what happened and insists that it happened and it wasn't his mind playing tricks on him. Jack and Mickey go to see Eli and he shows them the dead body. Eli tells him that he's seen this kind of behavior before from people who are grieving and it happens all the time. So Eli switches coffins after Lisa's viewing, leaving Lisa's coffin at the mortuary when they go to the cemetery. After the funeral, Eli makes the mistake of removing Lisa's engagement ring before he brings her back to life 
and he leaves it in the bombing room where Steve will find it later. So he uses the machine to bring her back, but when she comes back to life, she comes back more than the original guy he brought back. Mm-hmm. You know, she can talk, and the other guy just grunted. So I don't know if maybe he just wasn't alive long enough to get his wits about him, but Lisa seems to be more alive. I mean, later. At first, she, her head was just bad. It was, it was gross. So she eventually is able to talk, but doesn't remember what happened to her or her name. And I'm skipping over this whole part after he brought her back because it's gross, it's gross, it's gross. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They didn't need to show us this. Yeah, we could have got the gist of it without having to see this. Yeah, I liked the story. I did, but that part we didn't need to see that. Right. The guy's creepy. We know he's creepy. We can imagine how creepy he is. We didn't need to see it. So, if you have anything to say about that, go ahead. <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> so Steve, and if I call him Lloyd without realizing it, just know that I mean Steve. He goes to the store the following day and talks to Mickey. She tells him that they saw the body, and the man is dead. Mickey tries to convince him that he may have just imagined it, but he gets angrier and goes off to see Eli, and Mickey goes with him. So when they get there, I really thought Lisa, who is now named Deborah, was going to come out to where they were because she can hear them, and she was standing, and she was listening at the top of the stairs, and she recognized Steve's voice. So I really thought she was going to come out, but she didn't. But Steve does find her ring in the embalming room. He doesn't say anything to Eli, but he tells Mickey in the car. But Mickey says that that proves that Eli steals from the dead. But Steve thinks more is going on. So Steve goes off to the cemetery when it gets dark and digs up Lisa's grave and her body isn't in it. He heads back to the mortuary and breaks in. He finds Lisa alive in Eli's bed. She recognizes Steve, but Eli comes in and kills Steve with the aspirator. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So Mickey's been trying to call Steve since the night before. He's not at work either. She wants to go to his apartment. Jack tries to tell her that what Eli told them makes sense, but Mickey remembers Steve mentioning that Eli was using an instrument when the body came back to life. So now Jack is starting to come around. Jack had already checked the manifest for Eli's name, but he's going to go back and check for a listing for a surgical or embalming tool. And he does that while Mickey heads to Steve's apartment. So now we have Lisa wandering around the mortuary and she finds Eli in the crematorium with the fire burning. She asks for Steve. We know where Steve probably is. But I don't know why she didn't just leave the mortuary. You know, why didn't she just leave? He wouldn't have ever heard her leave. He was downstairs. And I have to imagine she knew Steve was dead, but maybe not. 
I don't know, because part of me wants to say, I don't think, you know how they say the person didn't have their wits? You know, because she knew something happened. At, in my head, I'm thinking she knew she died. You think so? Yes, or she knew something happened. And then all of a sudden, she wakes up to this guy right. in this place. And then she sees her fiancé. It's like, what's going on? I think she was kind of confused or, I don't know, like, you know, she just didn't have a wits. You know, sometimes you don't have it. We're saying... She could have just walked out the door, but in her mind of confusion, that's not what she thought of. And that's what I mean. You know, she wakes up to this guy who calls her Deborah and tells her she's his wife. And then she sees Steve, who she remembers as her fiancé. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. She had to be confused because after all that, I would have just left the place. Right. You know, but she finally does figure out that Steve is dead and becomes overwrought. Eli tells her that because of her, he doesn't have to be alone anymore. He grabs her when she tries to run and shoves her into an empty coffin and locks her in. Jesus. So Mickey calls Jack and tells him that Steve went out late the night before and never came back, according to his landlord. Jack tells Mickey that he's found a listing for an aspirator, which was purchased by Neville Morton, who was the owner of Glenview Mortuaries. So Mickey's going to Glenview while Jack is going to try to track down Morton. Meanwhile, Eli is wondering what he did wrong and decides he should have waited longer. And when he said that, I wasn't sure I wanted to know what he meant by that. But then he started going through his corpse photos, I guess to pick one who's been dead longer. So he picks Linda Curry, who's been dead for two years. He packs his grave robbing equipment and leaves for the cemetery while Mickey hides in the shadows. She climbs through a window and begins looking for Steve, but finds Linda in the coffin instead. What did I say? She finds Lisa in the coffin instead. At the cemetery, Eli digs up Linda, and Mickey calls Jack to tell him that Lisa's alive. So Jack discovered how Morton died and what he was doing when he died. Jack thinks that since Morton had many wives over the years, that the aspirator could give life only after taking life. So he must have just killed his wives when he got sick of them and brought back a new one. Gross. (laughs) So gross. I killed my husband. I'm not bringing back another one. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You get rid of one, that's it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Mickey tells Jack that Eli murdered Steve, and now they need to get out of there before Eli comes back. That's me saying that. Not that I'm saying that. I mean, it has to take hours to dig up a coffin, and I'm sure in this show he'll be back before we know it. And he was. But Jack says he's coming there to help find the aspirator, so Mickey and Lisa are staying there. While they wait, they both search for the aspirator. Mickey finds it, but Eli hits her from behind. In the next scene, both Mickey and Lisa are tied up, and the dead Linda is on the table. Eli uses the machine like some crazy mad scientist and brings Linda back. He's thinking being dead two years might have wiped her mind clean. (laughs) I know. He sort of propositions Mickey by telling her that if she's embalmed properly, she'll be good for him in a few years. Yes! And then he kisses her. (laughs) But his doorbell rings before he can kill her. So I'm wondering if that was a doorbell or if it was just a chime when somebody opens the door. Because why would Jack ring the doorbell? Well, the only thing I was thinking, he rang, you know, what do you call that? Ding dong dash or... Remember how they used to ring your doorbell? You know the person's going to the front door, but you're going around another way. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. That's what I thought he was doing after I seen him. You know what I mean? I kind of figured it afterwards. Because he was creeping around. Right. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, that makes more sense. Okay. So Jack is wandering the halls when the lights go out. Meanwhile, Mickey's able to reach a sharp instrument, and she's able to get her hand free, and she is able to remove the tape from her mouth. Jack is still roaming around looking for Mickey. What I couldn't understand was, you have a tray. She had her fingers on the tray of instruments. Why do you just bling the trays? All that stuff crashing. We'll alert him that there's something going on. Right, because at this point, she knows Jack is there. Right. You take one instrument. Okay, you're working that off. Just throw the tray on the floor. Right, because at this point, she heard the doorbell. She knows it's Jack. Yeah, you're right. We need to be writers. <laughs> So anyway, I'd be a little more quiet while I was sneaking around if somebody turned the lights off while I was sneaking around their house. Just as Eli is ready to stab or hit Jack, Mickey screams, and he goes in the other directions toward the scream. While Mickey tries to get Linda to understand and help them, Jack is confronted by Eli and the aspirator. They struggle while Mickey keeps talking to Linda, who seems to remember who she is, or was. Jack and Eli are still struggling, and now they're at the top of the stairs, when Mickey comes and knocks Eli down the stairs. I don't know if she hit him with something or she just knocked him down. He falls on the aspirator and it begins working. But he's able to pull it out. But after he pulls it out, he steps too close to the fire in the cremation oven. I don't know if that's what you call it. And he bursts into flames. He knocks into some chemicals and starts a bigger fire. Mickey runs to save Linda and Lisa, but the room is filled with flames, and they seem not to want to be saved. And that kind of reminded me, and I don't remember if I did that episode by myself, or if you were there, or if you saw that episode, the one with the wax museum. How do you want to say yes? Wax magic was the name of it. And at Mm -hmm. the end, she realized that she was a wax person. And when the building lit on fire, she just stood there because she wanted to die. She knew that she wasn't real. Right. But even in, even Mickey, with some common sense, they're both better off to go die again. Sure. Because how is Lisa going to walk around in the world after she was dead? Both and, of them. And parents and family and friends. You know, how do you answer for this? So it's best that they were to stay They even knew it. I don't know why Mickey didn't know it. Well, I mean, she helped rescue Linda. They probably bonded a little bit, or Lisa, whichever one. I think in the moment, it would have seemed callous to just leave without them. They made their decision, so it was their decision. It wasn't Mickey's decision to leave them there or to pull them out. It was their decision. But yes, they both seemed to realize they they should be dead. That's the way it was supposed to be. Later on, we're at the cemetery. It's got to be a few days later because Linda's grave or Lisa's grave is back together. Mm-hmm. But Jack says he went back and got the aspirator from the burnt ashes of the building. And Mickey thinks that loneliness is what drove Eli mad. See, I wouldn't make any excuses for this guy, but she does. Well, it makes sense because of what he says to the uh, the guy in the beginning. He wanted him to have him come in and talk. Right, right. So it seemed like nobody really has time for him. The only people he's talking to is the dead. Right. But I kind of just felt like that was Mickey making excuses for his behavior. And it, there really isn't any excuse for it. You know? Right. Yeah, you're right. Because I remember that at the beginning, too. He seemed to want to talk to the guy and the guy didn't have time. Mickey also believes that Steve and Linda are together again. Yeah. See, and she also said something about how she thought Steve really wanted to die. I didn't really get that from him. I got that he was trying to figure out what was happening. Yeah, I didn't get that impression either. Yeah, I didn't. So like I said, I liked the story, but some of it was too creepy. They could have just taken out that one scene and I could have liked it a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> what did you think of it? It was okay, um, except for that, like you said, that creepy part. <laughs> I was like, oh, gross. They oh. could have left that out. Um, I know. If I wasn't taking notes, I would have skipped over, but I was afraid they would say something or I would need to know something, but it was... Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you have nothing else... I don't have anything else. Okay. So we'll be back next week, although you might need a week off, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Kim might not be here next week, and maybe I'll hook Doug into doing a co-host, or maybe I'll just do it myself. But she'll be back shortly, and we'll be back next week with the next episode. This is Doug, reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to the 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at The Warehouse.